This is Scott Archer, pastor of Central Congregational Church in La Mesa, California. Thank you so much for tuning into our Sunday service podcast, CCC Sunday Messages. I hope you find the messages both challenging and encouraging as you seek to know and follow Jesus in your daily life. If you live in or ever happen to visit the San Diego area, we would love to have you join us for worship and fellowship. For location, service times, and other information about our church, please visit our website at cccLamesa.com. CCC is a small but passionate intergenerational church working together for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors near and far. Well, grab your Bible and turn to Judges chapter 2, and uh, we're going to be considering uh, the passage that goes from Judges chapter 2, verse 6, all the way to chapter 3, verse 6. It's a It's a long passage, and in the interest of time this morning, I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm going to count on you to do that on your own time when we're finished here, and I would encourage you to do that. Um, But I'm going to focus my comments uh, on Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, that sort of uh, encapsulate what's going on in the bigger uh, section there. And um, as we continue the series through the book of Judges that I've entitled Compromise, Chaos, and Covenant. And um, last week we talked about the fact that we are a covenant people and God is a covenant-keeping God. He has called us to himself and he has set the terms of this covenant. He's the one that sets them, not us. But in that he's given himself totally and completely to us in his person and in his care and his provision. And all he asks in return is that we give ourselves to him, that we worship him alone, that we seek him alone for help. Uh, and that we don't give ourselves to the gods of the world around us. We don't seek our own help. We don't uh, we don't try to short circuit the process. Um, uh, just in any way, getting caught up in things that are not of the Lord. Um, and uh, and so the book of Judges is all about God's covenant people. Then the, the Israelites coming to the land, the inheritance that God has given them, prepared for them, and given them. And uh, their just inability to enter into that in the way that he's called them to, and the compromises they make with the people and the and the uh, the religious uh, rituals of the people around them, and that how that just leads to all sorts of chaos. And um, I think we don't have to think very hard to recognize how that happens in our own lives. For those of us that really do believe that there's a God and that he's a good God and that he has revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ, and filled us with his Holy Spirit uh, and given us an inheritance in his very son and the promises he's given us for this life and the life to come, uh, we know that we easily uh, lose sight of that and we get caught up in the trinkets and the baubles of the world around us in the in the ways to find security, comfort, and pleasure in the world around us that really aren't of the Lord. And we suffer because of that. We know that. We've all, we all could tell stories of that. And so uh, we're trying, as we read sort of the negative examples from the book of Judges, uh, we're trying to, first of all, say, thank you, Lord, that you have sent Jesus Christ, the final judge, the truly faithful judge, that has done for us what we never could do for ourselves and has given us his life and his spirit Um, And then we're trying to learn from these examples to really press into the Lord and allow him to do everything in us and through us that he wants and to lead us into fully and finally the promised land, as it were, that he's given us 
uh, which is that moment in time when he comes not to take us away somewhere else, but to come back to this earth and make all things new. That is the full and final summation or consummation of the covenant God has with us. The title of this morning's message as we look at Genesis chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3 is Generation Gap. Generation Gap. So, um, you know, that's a a popular term and I think it really got popularized back in the 60s. Um, And maybe some of you remember vividly growing up in a family where as you got older and you started to uh, think certain ways, like certain kinds of music, uh, wanting to be involved in certain things that were very different from your parents, you experienced that generation gap. Um, uh, or you, on the other end, you might remember being a parent that had a certain worldview and a certain way, certain kinds of music you listened to, certain kinds of books you read, certain politics you were part of, and then you had children that, oh my goodness, God forbid, grew up and had minds of their own and tastes of their own, and cre- and you were... Uh, you experienced that generation gap uh, in that way. I remember uh, when I was a boy, my grandparents, my mom's parents, had adopted some young women, young girls, uh, actually one of them was an infant, uh, when my grandpa was in World War, or excuse me, the Korean War, had adopted a couple of Korean babies and a, and a German uh, child and brought them home. And um, these, these young ladies uh, became teenagers right in the middle of the 60s and they grew up to be these beautiful young ladies and my grandparents were very conservative Christians listened to classical music my grandfather was a colonel in the army was used to being in charge and all of a sudden these beautiful young ladies that they had brought home uh, started bringing long-haired hippie boyfriends and they were listening to rock music and oh, it was just a mess for a while and uh, there was definitely a generation gap um, on the other hand, I never really experienced that too much. I grew up in a home where my father, uh, even though he was a pastor and a, and a more conservative Christian, uh, he liked a lot of modern music and it was a part of our home growing up and shared a lot of the same interests. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had our differences here and there, but I didn't experience that so much. And um, But I know some of you, some of you have, on uh, either as the child or the parent. And uh, that's what we, one of the things that, it happens in judges is that there's a huge generation gap and it's not about music and it's not about politics uh, but it's about um, it's about our faith it's really about the most important thing Uh, it's about that idea are we going to be the people of God and are we going to be people that worship and honor God to the best of our ability or are we not and so in that context let me read these few verses from uh, Judges chapter 2 but again I would encourage you to go back later and read from Judges 2, 6 through all the way through 3, 6. It says, After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, and this is sort of a secondary introduction to the book of Judges. It's rehashing a little bit what we've already talked about, but in a different context. After Judges, Joshua excuse me, had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders, who outlived him, and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. And then it goes on to tell us, as it told us at the beginning, that Joshua dies. Um, But he says, before it says that, it says that that the people, the Israelites, served the Lord um, uh, during the lifetime of Joshua and all the elders who outlived him, all these people who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Then at verse 10, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, had died, 
another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. So they didn't know God and they didn't know what he'd done. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. That's sort of a general term for the idolatrous worship of the of the Canaanites, the people in the land. They forsook the Lord, uh, the God of their ancestors, and uh, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. If you're taking notes, which you should have received an email with some uh, a printed copy of the notes uh, uh, that you can download or the digital notes through the YouVersion Bible app, uh, here's the central thought. While each generation is responsible for their own faith and faithfulness to God and his purposes for them in their time, the generation before is responsible too pass on a vibrant faith filled with stories of God's faithfulness. Let me read that again. While each generation is responsible for their own faith and faithfulness to God and his purposes for them in their time, the generation before is responsible to pass on a vibrant faith filled with stories of God's faithfulness. And so here we have a situation where the people of God, they grew uh, while they were slaves in Egypt, they grew to very numerous. In fact, they became a threat to the Egyptians, and that's why they put them to forced labor. But they continued to grow, and after 400 years, God sends Moses, and he, God, not because of anything they did, but by his choice, he delivers them, and he brings them across, and he brings them to this land that he promised them. And he did all these wonders for them, and most of you know the stories in, in, uh, in Exodus about all that God did, and in Deuteronomy, to bring them out of Egypt through the desert and to this place. Um, he revealed himself to them in his nature and in his word and in his mighty acts that he did for them. And there's this generation of people. Now, one generation, the original generation, died in the desert. Remember, they came and they got right to the borders of, um, Jer of uh, uh, Canaan. And uh, they were afraid. They said, there's giants in the land. We could never beat them. They didn't trust God. And he said, that's it. You're not going in. And so they just wandered around in a desert for 40 years until that generation passed away. And then the new generation came along. And now this generation that came along, they experienced those 40 years in the desert. But they experienced God providing for them miraculously the manna in the desert. Uh, taking care of them physically through that whole time. They experienced when they came back now to the Jordan River to cross over, to go in and begin to take possession of the land. Even though this young generation, they didn't see the parting of the Red Sea, they saw the parting of the Jordan River as it was at flood stage when they came up to it. And, uh, and they're thinking, how are we getting across this? You couldn't swim across it. There's no way to get across this. And yet God led them through as he stopped the river. And they actually, God directed that they take stones from the bottom of the river and on the other side, on the western side, actually build an altar out of those stones. So that in the future, generations could say, hey, what's with that pile of rocks? And they could tell the story of what God did. And then this generation saw that the very first place they went and attacked was Jericho and all they did was march around for seven days and blow trumpets and the God caused the walls of the city to fall down. So this generation that was Joshua's generation, um, the generation that has now passed, they experienced God's faithfulness, they knew God and they saw the great works that he did. 
And now it says a new generation has grown up that didn't know God and they hadn't seen what he'd done. And somehow there was a gap in the generations and they weren't, their faith was not passed on and they became quickly apostate. So I just want to make two points from this passage this morning about, about possessing and passing. And the first point is this. We all are responsible through faithful obedience for possessing all that God has promised us. Every single one of us, as we come to an awareness of God in our lives, we are responsible to enter into all that he has for us and all that he's called us to. We're responsible through faithful obedience for possessing all that God has promised us. Now, and there's an interesting dynamic here. Excuse me, God tells the Israelites that I'm going to take you to a land, I'm going to give it to you, and you're going to live in houses you didn't build, and you're going to cultivate, or you're going to work, uh, reap from fields that you didn't plant. He's going to give it to them, but he didn't just give it to them as empty land. He went in and he said, I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to drive out the enemies before you, but it was in active par partnership with the Israelites. They had a part to play. God doesn't just drop things completely in our laps. And it's the same is true today. We each are called by God, and he has done for us through Jesus Christ what we could never do. We could never reclaim our relationship with him. We could never reconcile ourselves back to him. We could never defeat death, hell, and the grave, all the big things that are against us as human beings because of our sin. God did that through Jesus Christ, and he gave us his Holy Spirit. But then... He calls us, as he did the Israelites then, to follow him. Jesus said to, to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him, and enter into the things that he's doing for us and through us in the world today as his kingdom continues to grow. So, as a generation, our generation today, and as the generations throughout history from Israel to today, we each have a responsibility to respond to the goodness of God and the grace of God and the work of God and to put our hand to the plow, as it were, and to do our part, to open our hearts in faith to God, and then to do the work and live the kind of lives that he's called us to. Um, nobody else can do that for us, and God's not going to do that part for us. Hebrews chapter 3 uh, reminds us uh, of, of Moses in this setting, um, who brought the Israelites out of, out of Egypt. In Hebrews 3, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters... Who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, which we obviously see that Jesus was the most faithful one. But it goes on to say, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. If you remember the story of Moses in the burning bush, he's licking his wounds because he was trying to do what he thought God was calling him to do to get the Israelites, to free the Israelites, but do it in his own strength. And he gets sent out to the desert for another 40 or forty years. And then out of the blue, nothing he could do, God appears to him in a burning bush and says, now's the time and I've called you. And um, he could have said, oh, I'm too old. I, or, and he did. He tried to get out of it. He said, I don't know how to talk well. I can't do this. But God said, no, you're the man. But then Moses had to follow through and do the work that God had called him to and equipped him to. And he's compared to Jesus in the sense who says, who says, just as Moses was faithful in all God's help. 
Moses was responsible through faithful obedience for possessing all that God had promised and doing all that God had called him to. In Acts chapter 13, verse 36, speaking of King David at the end of a, a talk that a message that Paul's given, it says, Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He died. But he goes out of his way to point out that David didn't just live and die. King David, from the you know, the the the, the prototypical king, the king that is that is um, the rest of the monarchy is defined as the uh, as the, the Davidic monarchy and that Jesus comes from the line of David. He would be the, the son of David that would fully and finally reign throughout eternity. And it, so David didn't just live and die and he was a king, but it says David served God's purpose in his own generation. He took responsibility for possessing all that God had done for him and called him to. And then finally, Paul in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, in these well-known verses, challenges you and me today as we think about this idea of a generation gap and, and receiving what God has done for us in our day and not just leaning and resting on what God's done in the past. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship that we in view of all that God's done for us, this covenant keeping God. Now, he says the only appropriate response is to offer our very bodies, our very selves back to him as a living sacrifice for him to do whatever he pleases. And then verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you see our responsibility in that? God does for us what we could never do for ourselves through Jesus Christ. God did for the Israelites what they could never have done for themselves. They wouldn't have beat anybody on the. They wouldn't have survived the desert. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have defeated anybody in Canaan. They were much smaller, much less technically military, technically advanced. Um, but they still had a role to play, and they had a. They had a faith to uphold and a job to do. And and part of that was not to allow themselves to be co-opted by the the people and the religions of their day, not to be uh, conformed to the world around them. And the Apostle Paul says the same to us. We're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices and then to work hard to not be conformed by the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds in Christ Jesus. We have a responsibility. Each generation has a responsibility to possess all that God has called as promised and to enter in to the work that he's called them to do. But then... On the other side of that, we are responsible then for passing on a living faith that recounts the greatness and the faithfulness of God. Each generation is responsible to possess all that God, to enter into it, and then that generation is responsible to pass on an, a vibrant faith to the generation that's coming up. We are responsible for passing on a living faith that recounts the greatness and the faithfulness of God. For over 20 years, Rhonda and I were youth pastors uh, in various churches and really were blessed in that in that role and, and have uh, many uh, friends now that are uh, adults, obviously, and have their own children, and it's just great to see what God has done in and through so many of their lives. Um, but when we were in the middle of that, um, some of the hardest young people to deal with 
were the people, the, 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 the kids in our youth group that we called church kids because their families went to the church. We also had a lot of kids that came to the youth group whose families had nothing to do with the church. Um, but the ones that were the hardest, sort of the hardest nuts to crack, that create, created the biggest challenge, were the ones who were church kids whose parents were there every single Sunday and maybe were involved in some way in the church, and yet during the week, basically their lives didn't reflect any faithfulness to God. During the week, they lived just like the rest of the world, and their kids weren't stupid. Uh, and the problem is, is that the that the parents tried to require a lot of religious. Um, uh, they put a lot of religious expectations on the children and the kids. Um, you know, you, they had to be at church. They had to dress a certain way. They had to act a certain way. Um, but then the kids didn't see the connection between that and then what they heard taught and preached and then the way their parents lived uh, during the week. And it created a, a, a dissonance and it definitely created a generation gap. And many of those young people, when as soon as they had the chance, they stopped going to church and many of them really went off the rails, as you can understand. And the problem was, is because their parents, uh, really the, the sum total of their faith was religious tradition and ritual for the sake of whatever. Um, but during the week, it didn't really have any impact on their lives. And just like it says in this passage, they didn't really know God, and they didn't have any God stories to tell. And that's one of the things I want to ask is you think about anybody in your sphere of influence that you might have a chance to pass on the faith to. Do you really know God, and do you have any God stories to tell? Now, I know... I'm talking to a lot of older folks uh, right now in, a lot, in our congregation. We have a few younger people, thank the Lord, and hopefully as the future goes, we'll, we'll get some more. Um, but, but most of you have children, and many of you have grandchildren. Now, I know we have a few that have uh, never had any children, and, um, and some of you that have never been married. But really, that doesn't matter, because if you've been walking in the Lord for any amount of time, uh, you still have a responsibility before the Lord. To have a faith that is passable, that it, that can pat, be passed on, and a faith that is not just about religious tradition and ritual, but a faith that is vibrant because you really know God. Doesn't mean you're perfect, doesn't mean you've got it all figured out, but you really know God because you've been walking with Him, and you could sit down with anybody, young or old, and if asked or if you have the opportunity, you could recount God's faithfulness in your life. That's what we're talking about. Do we know God? And do we have God stories to tell? And are we telling those stories at every opportunity that we get to anybody that would listen, especially the generation that's coming up? Let's remind ourselves of what Moses told the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20 through 25, about this exact issue. It says, In the future, when your sons and daughters ask, What is the meaning of these stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell them, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us up from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. They're saying we're here today because of God's faithfulness all this time. And if we are careful to obey um, all the laws, all to obey all the law before the Lord our God as He has commanded us, 
um, that will be our righteousness. And then it goes on to that familiar passage and it says, and you are to talk about these things with your children uh, when you lie down and when you get up and when you're walking around and you should write them on the doorposts of your house. This recounting of the faithfulness of God should just be a constant part of our lives to the generation to come whether that's our own children, whether that's young people in our church, maybe that's neighbors you have that God has put in your path and you have a chance to. But the key to this is that we have to have an actual living faith. We actually have to be walking with the Lord, knowing Jesus, being filled with the Spirit. Again, I'm not talking about perfect faith. I'm talking about real faith, living faith. And we have to have God stories to tell. And you right now, you might say, well, I don't have... God's never... Uh, he didn't deliver me out of Egypt. I've never crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Well, uh, I think we have to back up a little bit. And I know, and you know, if you stopped and thought about your life, especially those of you that are older, if you've truly been walking with the Lord, you can go back and say, wow, look at right there. I thought that was it. I thought that was the end. I thought we were never going to make it through there. And you can recount over and over how God has been faithful to you. I know that Rhonda and I can do that. And we've tried to be careful to communicate that kind of faith to our children and see, here's the challenge and a lot of people have things happen in their lives that are they think this is it and they get through it and they just think wow that was lucky or that was a coincidence here's the difference you and i don't believe in luck and coincidence i almost said the word backwards you and i don't believe in luck and coincidence we believe in the faithfulness of god and unlike our neighbors that maybe aren't aware we give glory to God in those situations where we might have just said, whew, I was lucky to get through that. Well, maybe maybe yes, maybe no. I think more likely you can, more hopefully, more faithfully you can say, wow, God, thank you for preserving my life, for getting us through this, making a way, helping us do what we thought we couldn't do. That's a vibrant faith. You know God and you've got stories to tell and you tell them, you talk about them. In the case of uh, this new generation that didn't remember coming from Egypt, but but um, but survived the desert, crossed the Jordan River, saw the walls of Jericho fall, I'm I'm concerned that it sounds like they never took the time to walk their children back to show them the pile of rocks that were sitting next to the Jordan River that came out of the bottom of the Jordan River when it was at flood stage, and they could have said, Hey, see that pile of rocks? Let me tell you a story. We need, to, we need to try to be intentional where we can to tell those stories. And I just want to say this. One of the reasons I love our church, I love Central Congregational Church, because of our uh, the diversity in ages that we have. Um, we've got very young people, and we've got some folks that are almost 100 years old. And it's so neat. One of the greatest joys I have as your pastor is when I find out that one of our older folks is getting to know and become friends with one of our younger people. And I, especially when I know that there's faith being exchanged. Um, I just found out during this quarantine time that uh, Jackie Waldron, one of the, uh, one of the older uh, women in our church, lovely, faithful woman of God. I know you are Jackie. I know you're, you're blushing right now as you're watching this. I'm sorry. But, um, she has a patio and she's able to invite people over for a socially distanced time. And I found out a while back that she invited Kara Dirks, one of our youngest uh, adult members, uh, over for lunch or whatever just to sit on the patio and talk. And I can't tell you how much that meant to my heart because I know, I know what it meant to Kara and I know what it meant to Jackie that 
as an older person and a younger person that they could come together and there could be a possessing and a passing of the faith. And I know that's part of what happened in that time. And I just am so thankful. I know that's happening in our church. And I just want to encourage us to continue to do that. Moms and dads, the few that we have, those of you that have little kids or adolescents in your home, can I just challenge you? And I know it's hard in the world today, but it's your responsibility to pass on a vibrant faith to your children and not just a bunch of rules about church and religious tradition and rituals. Not that those are bad in and of themselves, but if that's the sum total of what we've got, then that's why we're losing our young people. And I want you to know I pray for you, mom and dad, and for your children, because I know it's not easy. But can I just challenge you to redouble your efforts, to press into the Lord, to make sure you know him, to pray for your children, and then to say, God, help me to know how I can pass on this faith that I have possessed in you. And those of you that are a part of our congregation that are older, pray for your grandkids. I'm sure you do, um, your children and your grandkids. And if you don't have any or they're not nearby, pray for the younger people in our church and whatever age feels young to you. And look for opportunities, especially as we get to come back together down the road, for ways that we can pass this faith on to one another. Let me close with this scripture from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, the holy of holies, the very presence of God, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Jesus, let us draw near to God with sincere heart, with a sincere heart, and with the full assurance of uh, that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. And then, so the first part of that is let us draw near to God. Let us possess everything that God has promised and all that He's called us to. Let us hold unswervingly to what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. But then verse 24, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How do we pass that along? Not just keep it for ourselves, not just hope and pray that it gets our next, the next generation gets it, but to actively consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Brothers and sisters, God is so good. He is so faithful. And sometimes religion, uh, instead of helping us know that, helping us walk in that, it actually destroys that. Because religion, when it's not operating the way it should, actually focuses on us and um, does all sorts of destructive things in our lives. Um, but when we're praying and when we're gathering for worship, when we're doing religion right, as it were, it opens us up to the greatness of God, the goodness of God, and encourages us to, us to recount his faithfulness publicly and to declare it. Um, and it enables us to possess all that he's called us to and for, and he enables us to pass that along, a truly vibrant, living faith that knows God and has some really great God stories. I want to just encourage us to walk in that today. And I don't care who you are right now, if you're young or old, maybe you look and you honestly say, Pastor Scott, 
I've really just been more religious and not really faithful, and I don't know that I really have God stories. Can I just tell you right now, you can start today. The God story that you can start with is this day, you can say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent of selfishness and sinfulness and just religiosity. Would you take that away? And I want to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. I want to come to know you through Christ and be filled with the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit so that whatever day, however many days I have left, I can walk in faithfulness before you. I can possess all you've called me to and I can have an opportunity where you give me to pass that along to anybody that's coming behind. You can enter into that this day. And for the rest of us, maybe you say we'll, that, that we would just be reminded to go back and remember that you do have God stories, that it wasn't just luck, that it wasn't just coincidence, and that we look for opportunities to share those stories and keep leaning into the Lord to make sure we know him, we're following him, and then finally to pray, to cry out to God for the generation that's coming. This is a hard time to be faithful to the Lord. It's a hard time to grow up, but it's also an incredibly energetic time. It's no time just for sitting back, man. The dice are being cast, and we've got to choose one way or the other. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about are we really going to be alive to the presence of God, trusting him, worshiping King Jesus, and saying, Lord, how do I be faithful to you? Not me, not somebody else, but to you in the midst of all of that. And if we do that, we'll come to know God better, and we'll have some really incredible God stories to tell. So I hope that's an encouragement to you. Go back, read the rest of, uh, read the whole passage, Judges chapter 2, uh, six, uh, verse 6 through chapter 3, verse 6, um, and uh, then we'll get back into this uh, next week. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the power of your word and these stories that are from so long ago, but they're so relevant to our lives today. Lord, and, and the beginning of the book of Judges, really the whole book of Judges, is such a tragic story from a human perspective, because it's just... Uh, just quickly an entire generation just completely loses their faith and and just gets a, basically um, caught up into the to the pagan uh, gods around them and all sorts of chaos ensues but it's also an incredibly hopeful book because as we'll see it demonstrates that you are indeed a covenant keeping God and over and over and over you rescue your people when they cry out in distress and Lord, we can all give testimony, those of us that have walked with you for any amount of time, that you have rescued us when we've cried out in distress, when we've mucked things up, or when we've just faced hard times. Lord, you are so good and so faithful. Would you help us remind ourselves of your faithfulness? Would you help us possess all that you've got for us and all that you've called us to? And would you help us to be careful and intentional to pass that faith along, a vibrant faith, Lord, to the, to the generation that's coming. Thank you for this time. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. I just pray your blessing on my brothers and sisters as we go through another week. Lord, would you encourage them? Would you protect them? Would you guide them? And would you bring us back together, we pray, so that we can uh, worship you corporately, not just on video, but actually in each other's presence. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.